Hello, and welcome to the Calvary Road Baptist Church Podcast. I'm Pastor Paul Shirley, and I'd like to thank you for taking the time to listen. Each week, we will be releasing sermons and studies delivered directly from the pulpit at our church. Our goal with this podcast from Calvary Road Baptist Church is to make the gospel and sound biblical preaching more available to a wider audience. We hope that these sermons will be a blessing and an encouragement to you each week. As the scripture reads in Psalm 119 and verse 116, Uphold me according unto thy word, that I may live, and let me not be ashamed of my hope. Now, let's hear from God's word. He's a good God, and I'm thankful for the Lord this morning. Uh, Turn with me to Hebrews chapter 11, if you would. Hebrews chapter 11, verse number 1. Read you a verse here. This is, of course, a very well-known verse here from Hebrews chapter 11, uh, verse number 1. Most of you could quote this verse, I'm sure, uh, if you were set to the task. It is the most well-known verse in all the Bible, I would say, concerning faith, because it is a definition. uh, this, This verse gives us a biblical definition of just what faith really is. And faith, being such a core part of who we are and and what we are, in fact, Christianity itself would be defined as a faith. You could call it a faith. Amen. Uh, In fact, the Bible would refer to it as the faith. That would be our faith, the faith in Christ, uh, faith uh, through which we are saved. This morning, I want to talk to you for a little bit and give you a message Concerning faith, and we're going to, we'll start here in Hebrews chapter 11. I'll probably give you quite a few verses today to reference and uh, try not to take too much time. Just give you what the Lord's laid on my heart, and then we'll let you go today. But I, I do want you to get something from the Lord. Amen. This morning, as I, as I got up early and, and, and began to look at this message again and, and just kind of pray and ask the Lord um, to help me and, and to show us what's right today, my, my desire my prayer is that everything that's done in the service today would please God. Amen? I I want you to get help. I I want that today. And can I tell you, that if you come to church, and you come to the Bible, and you come looking for help, it's easy to find it. It's there. There is help to be had for whatever it is that you're facing. And and I don't know everything you're facing. Uh, I, I don't know everything you're going through, but God does. And His Bible has the answer for what you need. Amen? So I hope today that you'll get some help, Uh, but my prayer for myself and my prayer for the sermon today is that God would help me uh, to be what I need to be and do what I need to do and that He would receive glory and honor for it. Amen. Hebrews chapter 11 and verse number 1, the Bible says, Now faith is the substance of things hoped for, the evidence of things not seen. This is a, a very interesting definition, if you want to call it that of what faith is. And this is a verse we've heard quoted, we've heard it preached from, how that faith is, you know, when we think about, well, what is faith? It's almost a sort of unknowable kind of thing, isn't it? If anything, to me, this verse almost makes faith sound even a little bit more mysterious, right? It's the substance of things hoped for. Okay, what exactly does that mean, anyway? It's the evidence of things not seen. And when you think about evidence, it's something that, that offers proof of something else, right? So faith is the proof of what we have not seen. But faith is not something you can see. It's not something you can touch tangibly or measure tangibly. So the evidence is an intangible thing that is evidence for something that is not tangible. Okay? You see what I mean? It's almost a little bit more mysterious. and It almost makes it seem a little bit more <coughs> outside maybe of of our reach. If you look up what faith is uh, in the Webster's 1828 Dictionary, Webster defined faith as the ascent of the mind to the truth of divine revelation on the authority of God's testimony accompanied with a cordial ascent of the will or approbation of the heart. It's an entire confidence or trust in God's character and God's declarations and in the character and doctrines of Christ with an unreserved Surrender of the will to His guidance. Amen. Man, that, now that is a very, that is a very uh, in-depth description of what it means to have faith in Christ. What it means to have faith in Christ. It is an unreserved surrender 
of the will to His guidance and dependence on His merits for salvation. He says this, in other words, that firm belief of God's testimony and of the truth of the gospel which influences the will and leads an entire reliance on Christ for salvation. So as Webster is defining faith, he takes things even a little bit of a step further and he says, true faith in God and true faith in Christ will bring an entire dependence on God. Amen. And not just some idea of God, but true faith in Christ places an entire dependence of one's beliefs on what thus saith the Word of God, on the doctrines of Christ. It takes the entire dependence of one's will, of what they're going to do in their life, on the guidance and leadership of the Word of God and of of Christ and the Holy Spirit. It is to come to a place where you are defined by what you believe. Now say it like that. Faith, true faith, becoming a part of the faith and having faith in Christ is to come to a place where you are defined by what you believe and what you believe is Christ. Now, can I, can I say this? You're already defined by what you believe. You are defined by what you believe. Amen. Your identity, if we want to use that term, and I think that word is overused in our day, but your identity of who you are is defined and determined by what you believe about everything. What you believe about work. What you believe about sports. What you believe about raising children. What you believe about uh, what's the best food. And what you believe about this. And what you believe about that. What you believe about which cars are best. Or which car maker is best. And what you believe about... Uh, you know, what type of stories are best, or what you believe about this or that or whatever thing, everything in your life, your identity is determined by what you believe. Amen. And faith is something that we are exercising all the time. You put your faith in that car when you get up in the morning for work and you go out there and you put that key in and you turn the ignition, your faith says it's going to crank. Now, you don't know for sure that it will, but you believe it will. Otherwise, you might would have taken some extra precautions. And then when you go out and it doesn't, and your faith was, uh, was unmerited, well, that's, that's a tough day, isn't it? Isn't that just a blessing? When you're, it's always when you're running behind, you go out there, it's in a crunch, i got to go, 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 click, nothing happens. Well, this day just started off on the wrong foot. Amen. But our, our lives are defined by what we believe. Turn with me to Romans chapter 3. Romans chapter 3, I want to read you some verses over here. In Romans chapter 3, the Apostle Paul takes on the daunting task (coughs) of explaining how that things have now changed to all of the Jews. He is going to explain to them that faith is our avenue for justification. Now, we know what justification means. Even if if I were to ask you, it might be tough to put it into terms. Very simply, justification is absolution. It It is the complete removal of all guilt and punishment for sin or wrongdoing. To be justified means you're clear of all charges. Right? In Romans chapter 3 and verse number 19, I'll read you some verses here. Romans chapter 3 and verse number 19, we'll read some verses together. Uh, and then we'll try to hop right into these thoughts I want you to get this morning and we'll be done. Romans chapter number 3, verse (coughs) number 19. Now we know that what things soever the law saith, it saith to them who are under the law, that every mouth may be stopped and all the world may become guilty before God. Therefore, by the deeds of the law, there shall no flesh be justified in his sight, for by the law is the knowledge of sin. So what does that mean? Very simply, here's what Paul is saying. The law has condemned everybody. Amen. We were mentioning that this morning in Sunday school, weren't we? How that, the law, you, you can break down the law if you want to, just very simply you can say, well, let's just look at the Ten Commandments. Now, there's obviously much more to the law, but let's just look at the Ten Commandments. And if I were to take a survey this morning, have you ever broken one of the Ten Commandments? Now, some of them say, well, I've never, never murdered anyone or... You know, maybe you would say I've never stolen anything, although the truth is most of us probably have stolen something. Even if you were just a child taking something from another child that didn't belong to you, 
All of us at some point in our life probably have taken something that wasn't ours. But let's even go a little further down. How about being uh, dishonoring to your parents? Have you ever done that? Have you ever borne false witness? Ever told a little white lie or a fib? Well, if you have, then you are condemned to death by the law. That's pretty harsh, isn't it? You see, the law of God is, is pure and clean and holy. It's not, a, it's not a gray area. The law is a black and white area. It's very specific and very harsh. And the law is a schoolmaster. And the purpose of the law was this, to teach you a lesson. And that lesson is this, you're a sinner. Are you a sinner? Yeah. Are you a sinner? Amen. You are. Let me just tell you, in case you didn't know, you're a sinner. I'm a sinner. My, my children are already sinners. Amen. Now, they may be in a place of innocence and not having come to that knowledge and that age of accountability, but the truth is they've already done things that according to the law would condemn them. My daughter has lied right to my face. Amen. She has. She's taken things that, that weren't hers, and we've had to teach her and done this and done that, and, and so have you. And that's what the law does. It teaches us that by the deeds of the law, there shall no flesh be justified, for the law is the knowledge of sin. All right, let me hurry. Verse 22, or I'm sorry, verse 21. But now the righteousness of God without the law is manifested, being witnessed by the law and the prophets, even the righteousness of God, which is by faith of Jesus Christ unto all and upon all of them that believe, for there is no difference. Verse 23, for all have sinned and come short of the glory of God, being justified freely by His grace through the redemption that is in Christ Jesus, whom God hath set forth to be a propitiation through faith in His blood to declare His righteousness for the remission of sins that are passed through the forbearance of God. Verse 26, to declare, I say, at this time His righteousness that he might be just and the justifier of him which believeth in Jesus. Where is boasting then? It is excluded. By what law? Of works? Nay, but by the law of faith. Therefore we conclude that a man is justified by faith without the deeds of the law. Very simply, and I won't go into the great deep doctrinal truths of it or whatever, and Romans is a very deep and doctrinal book, let me just tell you. Very simply, Paul concludes in verse number 28, man is justified by faith. For by grace are you saved through faith, it is the gift of God. Isn't that what the verse says? That it is through faith that we are justified. I told you what justification is. It is being absolved of sin and punishment. And this morning, if I were to ask a raise of hands, have you been saved? Many hands would go up across uh, the congregation, because most of you here today, as I look around, have a testimony of salvation. Say, I have been saved. If you have been saved, you've been justified through faith, by faith. Amen. That faith in Christ is what absolves us of our failures according to the law. Amen. But faith does not end with salvation. Faith goes much further beyond salvation. Now, it, it truly begins with salvation by placing your faith in the finished work of Calvary and accepting Jesus Christ as your Savior, uh, admitting to your sins, asking forgiveness with the mouth, confessions made into salvation, you're saved, amen. Through faith, by believing in the heart under righteousness, you become justified, you become saved, you become a part of the faith. And you would become, when you become a part of the faith, you do so by exercising that substance of things hoped for, that evidence of things not seen. And the reason it's called that is because this. Have you ever seen God? Have you with your eyes seen Jesus Christ? Have you seen the heavens? No, you have not. You have exercised your faith to believe in Him. Now, we've done so because of plenty of evidences. The evidence of the Word of God. The evidence of the Holy Spirit speaking to you. Can I tell you, nobody has ever been saved without the evidence of the Holy Spirit? You've never been saved through your mind, intellect, and knowledge. Salvation is a work of the heart, believing, amen, 
For the heart man believeth unto righteousness, with the mouth confession is made unto salvation. Salvation is an act of faith. And faith by nature is you believing something that you have not seen with your eyes and felt with your hands. If it was something you'd seen and felt with your hands and, and, and had that physical proof and evidence right there, it would not be faith. It would be belief, but it would not be faith. Faith is more. And this morning I, I want to talk for just a minute on this idea of faith defined, of defining our faith and what it is and, and, and how important it is to our lives because I'm afraid so often we fail to exercise our faith. Amen? And you do know that your faith is constantly being tried. It's tried and tried and tried and the trying of our faith. And We see things happen in this world and sometimes when we do, we go, man, God, what's going on? And your faith is tried. And your belief and your trust in Jesus and your reliance and dependence on Him is tried and put to the test. And that test of your faith is what strengthens and exercises your faith. Amen. First, I want to talk about defining its power. Matthew chapter 17, I'll read this to you quickly. We have the Lord Jesus speaking concerning faith. Most, most often this verse is, is referenced when we speak concerning faith, how that the Lord told them in Matthew chapter 17 and verse number 20, He said unto them, Jesus said unto them, Because of your unbelief, for verily I say unto you, if you have faith as a grain of mustard seed, you shall say unto this mountain, Remove hence to yonder place, and it shall remove, and nothing shall be impossible unto you. Amen. We know that verse. It's often referenced that faith as the grain of a mustard seed is so often referenced. And how did Jesus told them, if you just had this much real faith in God, that so much could be done, and, and nothing would be impossible unto you. Amen. That, that power of faith. And that verse exercises and shows us the true potential of faith. In fact, here's what Jesus said about the potential of faith. Nothing is impossible. With faith, nothing's impossible. With faith, the power of faith is limited only by the power of God and the will of God. The power of faith is limited only by the power and will of God. And the Bible said, is anything too hard for God? And the answer to that question is no. Nothing is too hard for God. And nothing is impossible for God. Let me show you our weakness. We're, talk, we're, dis, we're defining the power of faith. Let me show you our weakness in faith. An integral part of, of believing is understanding that we are weak. Did y'all know that? <clears throat> are you weak? <clears throat> I'm weak. Ask my wife. My will is pretty weak. We're, you know, it's the new year and everybody does the same thing in January, Right? I'm going I'm to make healthier choices this year. Y'all ever do that? Am I the only one? Okay. Some up, well, maybe somebody does. I don't know. Y'all are awfully quiet this morning. Y'all all right? I know it's been a minute, but don't be afraid. <clears throat> so, you know, you make that, I, I'm going to make healthier choices. I'm not going to eat after 8 o'clock, or I'm going to whatever, I'm going to do this. And then you sit down and you're watching TV, and you see somebody eating pizza, pizza pockets, those little pizza bites or whatever. I don't know how y'all are, but I am so susceptible to that junk. If I see somebody eating pizza, I'm like, I would kill someone for pizza right now. Especially tacos. I don't know what it is about after 7 o'clock, but like, I want Taco Bell. And that's the worst possible thing. Amen? But I, am I only, y'all ever want Taco Bell only late at night? What's wrong with me? I'm weak. We, we, went, we, went, uh, we had a dinner last night. We had a gift card on the way up here yesterday. We stopped and ate uh, and, and had a big meal. And then we went home and we went up to the parsonage and we're up there and and we were just kind of sitting around watching TV. It was about 9 o'clock, and I was like, man, I need a snack. No, I didn't. But you know what? I had one. Amen. I had some pretzels. I had some, some little buffalo pretzels. And about 10 minutes after eating them, I thought, man, that was a mistake. And I knew it was going to be. I ate buffalo chicken pretzels at like 9.45 or something last night. And I woke up with heartburn. Big shock. Like I didn't know that was going to happen. But guess what? I'm weak. I mean, I am weak. And so are you. We are weak. We all have our own weaknesses. And mine might be Taco Bell and yours might be something else. But we all have our weaknesses. And when it comes right down to it, sometimes we just we want to be strong in things. and We want to have this strength, but we just don't have it. Because as human beings, by nature, we're weak. 1 Corinthians chapter 2, verse 4 says this, 
My speech and my preaching was not with enticing words of man's wisdom, but in the demonstration of the Spirit and power. Verse 5 says this, that your faith should not stand in the wisdom of men, but in the power of God. If your faith is based on the wisdom of men, it's weak. Well, I just think this makes the most sense to me. That's men's wisdom. What makes the most sense to you is the wisdom of men. If we want to live a life of the power in faith, that power in faith is faith in the wisdom of God. Okay? Here's the wisdom of men. Well, when I read my Bible, I try to view it through the context of what I understand were prejudices during the time in which it was written. Have y'all heard a lot of that nowadays? Well, when you read after Paul, you have to understand that he was a sexist and hates women. Really? I'm supposed to view, and y'all, some of y'all are looking at me like, well, did you know that that's what's being taught in theological seminaries across the world today? Did you know that? That when you read the New Testament and when you read the Old Testament, when you do so, you have to understand to view things through the political lens of racism and sexism and those things and understand that there were biases in the men who wrote these things? That sounds a lot like the wisdom of men, doesn't it? Well, when I view what the Bible says, I first want to think what I thought those men thought. That's the wisdom of men. There is no wisdom in men. Here's what Paul said. When I preach, I don't try to preach and teach with enticing words of man's wisdom. I don't want to get up and paint you a picture that makes me seem so smart. And so, and by the way, y'all know Paul was smart. He was very intelligent. I mean, you could tell in his writing. He was a very intelligent man. But here's what he said to the church of Corinth in, in 1 Corinthians chapter 2. My speech and my preaching, it's not with enticing words of man's wisdom. It's in the demonstration of the spirit and power. That if I get up and I say something, man, I sure do sound smart. And that makes a whole lot of sense to you and a whole lot of sense to me. But there's no spirit and power in it from God, then it is worthless. The power comes of the faith in the wisdom of God, not in the wisdom of men. Our weakness comes when we put more stock in what we think and what we think we know, amen, and what some man tells us, than we do what thus saith the Word of God. And when you get to a place where you put more stock in the stock market and more stock in what this guy says you ought to do, and this self-help writer over here, and this guy over here, then you what, what thus saith the Word of God, you put more stock in that, then your faith is in man and not in God. And we wonder why we are weak in our faith. We wonder why when storms come and when things rise up in our life, we can't overcome them and we can't get out of the, the pit of depression and the pit of sorrow. And the reason is because we put our lives and our trust in men's hands and not in God's hands. Amen. And our just, okay, so I, I trust God with my eternal security, but I'm not going to trust Him with what I do with my money. I'm not going to trust Him with what I do with my job. I'm not going to trust Him with what I tell my kids or what I do this. Uh, eternity, heaven, hell, all stuff, sure, I'll trust Him with that. But that's not exercising your faith. That is our weakness in faith. Our weakness in faith is when we put more faith and more trust in the wisdom of men than we do in the wisdom of God. Our working through faith is this in Luke 17. It's the same, same account as the Lord said. The apostle said to the Lord in Luke 17, 5, increase our faith. They said, Lord, help us to have more faith. And here's what Jesus said. If you had faith as a grain of mustard seed, you might say unto this sycamine tree, be thou plucked up by the root, and be thou planted in the sea, and it should obey you. And Jesus is very simply telling them this. Faith ignites the power of God. Faith ignites the power of God. My weakness, in my weakness, God is made strong. In the things I can't do, God is proven that He can do them. Amen. And how? Through faith. Through faith. The verse in Matthew, we, we have the Lord Jesus telling us, and here again in Luke 17, we have the Lord Jesus telling us that if we'll just have just this much real faith in God and what He can do. If we'll just stay strong in our faith, we have access to the power of God to complete the will of God. Amen. This is defining the power of faith. I want you to see defining the presence of faith. Romans chapter 12 and verse number 3 says this, 
For I say, through the grace given unto me, to every man that's among you, not to think of himself more highly than he ought to think, but to think soberly, according as God hath dealt to every man the measure of faith. Very simply put, Paul's saying this, when we consider ourselves and when we consider our lives and when we consider what we are going to do, we need to have a sober understanding. We are weak. We are low. We are little. And God is big. He must increase and we must, de- we must decrease. We ought not ever think more of ourselves than we ought to think. Isn't that what he said? But then he said, but think soberly. That means think, think with a clear mind. Think about it without all the external influences, right? When we think about being sober, we think about having no influence from things like alcohol and drugs in, in our, modern, our modern context, and as well in the context of that day as well. And obviously he's saying think soberly in that sense. But he's also saying think soberly like this. Don't let all the things that run through your head influence the truth of what you understand. Don't let what other people tell you influence the truth of what you understand. Don't let the way you feel or what this one said or what that one said. Think about it clearly and understand that you, you're just not that much. Here's the wisdom of the world. You're great. You're wonderful. You're you're amazing. You can do anything. That's That's the wisdom of the world. But here's the wisdom of God. You are low and God is high. Amen. You are lowly and He is high and lifted up. And without God, you have nothing. Without God, you are nothing. Say, man, that's depressing. No, it's not, because you've got God. Amen. And that God in us can produce something wonderful. Sure, He can make something wonderful out of you, but you within yourself and of yourself, what do you have? What can you do? Can you, taking thought, add one inch to your stature? You know what the Bible said? No, you can't. Can't make your hair grow faster. Amen. Can't make, you, can't make, can't make any of those things happen. But with faith in God... There's no limit to what we can do. The presence of faith is this. God has dealt to every man the measure of faith. We see it present in the person of faith. Hebrews 12, 2. Looking unto Jesus, the author and finisher of what? Our faith. Jesus is the author and finisher of our faith, who for the joy that was set before Him endured the cross, despising the shame, and is set down at the right hand of the throne of God. The founding of our faith from start to finish is in Christ Jesus. Amen. The moment that your faith becomes less about Christ is the start of it going in the wrong direction. The the moment that church and the moment that your, your Christianity becomes more about works than faith in Christ, the more that's the start of you going in the wrong direction. Everything that we do has been authored by Jesus Christ. And everything that we do will be finished by Jesus Christ. He is the beginning and the end of our faith. Our faith is not about what we do. It's not about who we are. It's not about where we meet. It's not even about what we think. It's very simply about this. It's about Jesus Christ. It's about what He did and what He's doing. It is Him. Everything is about Him. It is all about him, it's present in the person of faith. It's present in the people of faith. That this faith in Christ has created a people. Amen. Jude chapter 1, verse 3. Beloved, when I gave all diligence to write unto you of the common salvation, it was needful for me to write unto you and exhort you that you should earnestly contend for the faith which was once delivered unto the saints. Who's the saints? That's us. It's not, I said this in Sunday school again, It's not some group of super-powered Catholics. Amen. Those are not saints. A saint is someone who has been sanctified. And if you've been saved by grace through faith, you've been sanctified and are therefore a saint. That's you. You are a part of the church. You're a part of the saints. You're a part of the faith. As it said here in Jude, verse number 3, it said that we should earnestly contend for the faith. That's us. We are a part of that, and that faith is present in us, that we are a part of something. Amen. Did you know that when you got saved, you became a part of something? You did. You became a part of something. I won't won't go and read there just a second time, but Romans chapter 10, verse 14 through 17 talks about how that 
There's those who have heard, and because they have heard, they believed. And when they have heard, verse 17 said then, faith cometh by hearing, and hearing by the Word of God. So what happened in Romans 10, in verse number 17, very simply is this. At one point, if you've been saved, at one point in your life you heard, and you heard a preacher, you heard the gospel, you heard the gospel given, and after hearing the gospel, after hearing by faith, you accepted the Word of God and you were justified in salvation. Amen. If you've been saved, you heard the gospel, you received the gospel, and you were saved by it. It's the power of God and the salvation. That's the gospel. Amen. That's you. When that happened, you became a part of something. You did. Jude calls them the saints. It also refers to it as the faith. The faith is something that we are all, if you're saved, a part of. Amen. You're a part of the faith. Some would call it Christianity. The faith is a term that refers to our collective faith in Jesus Christ. Our belief in who He is and what He did. That He's the Son of God. It's the faith. But it's more than just a faith of us having faith in that, but that we become a part of it. That we are... We are identified, what I say at the beginning of the message, we are identified by what we believe. Some people want to have faith, but they don't want to be identified by it. Amen? Well, I, I'm a Christian. I go to church, but that's not like my whole life. By definition, if you've been saved, you are a part of the faith, and it is our job to earnestly contend for that faith to build on that faith, to live by that faith. In fact, the Bible says the just shall live by faith. We'll read that again probably here in a minute. The just shall live by faith. Faith is a lot more than just, well, I got saved, I, put my, I believe that Jesus was the Son of God, He came into my heart, and so now I'm going to go to heaven. And Well, that's all I need, I'm good and I'm done. No, your life is defined by what you believe. And you can tell me you believe in heaven and hell. And you can tell me you believe that Jesus is the Son of God. And you can tell me you believe that the King James Bible is the Word of God. And you believe all these things. But when your life is not uh, supporting the things that you say you believe, then you're not living by faith. You're not living according to faith. And your life will be identified by what you believe. Amen. It will be will be. You believe that if you don't get up on Monday and go to your place of work where you're supposed to work, that on Tuesday you'll no longer have that job. That is reinforced by the fact that at 8 o'clock or, or whatever time it is, 7 o'clock or 6.30 or whatever time you're supposed to be in your place, that you're there. And by you being there, you're saying, I believe that if I'm not, then I'll get a pink slip in the mail or a call. Amen. You believe that. But then there's so many things we say we believe according to the Word of God, and our mouths are writing a check that our lives are not cashing. You understand that, right? That we are to live by faith. We walk by faith. We believe in these things. It's our lives. It's, it's our livelihood. It's everything that we have and everything that we are, and that if we hear it and we believe it, then we are to contend for those things that we believe. We're to contend for the faith. We're to press against the, the, the enemy coming in and trying to discredit the Word of God and, and come against the church and fight against the Lord Jesus. We're to stand for those things that we say we believe. Amen. That's what it means to contend and be a part of the faith. It's present in the people of faith. It's present in the performance of faith. And Here's what, let me, let me give you these verses I want to read to you. I don't want to take too long, but I want to read you these verses. In James chapter number 2. Now some people are afraid of the book of James. It scares them, but I'll just tell you, don't ever be afraid of the truth. James chapter 2, verse number 17 says this, <clears throat> Even so faith, if it hath not works, is dead, being alone. Yea, a man may say, Thou hast faith, and I have works. Show me thy faith without thy works, and I will show thee my faith by my works. Thou believest that there is one God. Thou doest well. The devils also believe and tremble. But wilt thou know, O vain man, that faith without works is dead? Was not Abraham our father justified by works when he had offered Isaac his son upon the altar? Seest thou how faith wrought with his works, and by works was faith made perfect? And the scripture was fulfilled with, which saith, Abraham believed God, and it was imputed unto him for righteousness, and he was called the friend of God. Ye see then how that by works a man is justified, and not by faith only. 
Likewise also, was not Rahab the harlot justified by works when she had received the messengers and had sent them out another way? For as the body without the spirit is dead, so faith without works is dead also. Now some might say, okay, this is confusing. I thought you said that we're, it's by grace we're saved, through faith, not of works. Amen. You're saved through faith. Amen. You're saved by grace through faith. You are saved by grace through faith. You are not saved by works. Not of works, lest any man should boast. Works will not save you. But let me tell you what works does do. Works exercises your faith. Works exercises your faith. What do you mean? Well, this is the way that James described it and explained it. We're talking about the performance of faith. Because you can say, I believe, all you want. Amen? Does it cost anyone anything to say, I believe? No, not really. I believe in God. I believe in Jesus. I believe in the Bible. I believe, I believe. It doesn't really hurt you or cost you anything to say, I believe. What costs you is when you have to put works into that belief. Here's what James said. He said that Abraham was justified by works when he had offered Isaac his own son upon the altar. Seest thou how faith wrought with his works, and by works was faith made perfect. Here's what he said. Abraham could have said, I believe you, God, all he wanted, but his faith was not proven until he proved it through his works. Until he took Isaac up on the mountain and put him down in the place and took the knife in his hand and showed that he was willing to go all the way for his faith, his faith was not proven until that moment. We talk about the trying of your faith, right? The trying of your faith, the trying of your faith. You know what the trying of your faith does? It makes you exercise your faith by works. The trying of your faith makes you put your money where your mouth is. It makes you do more than say, I believe, I'm a Christian. It makes you show that you are. Amen. Faith without works is what? It's dead. And when something's dead, it's dead. It's over. It's gone. It's, not, it's lifeless. There's nothing there. And then he said this. You say, you believe that there is one God? Well, guess what? Big whoop, so do the devils. And it's not doing them any good because they believe it and they, they accept that there's one God, but with their works, they do not exercise that faith. Amen. How's your faith? Well, how do you know? Well, you know, sometimes my faith struggles. Can I just be the first one to admit today my faith struggles? Sometimes I waver in my faith and sometimes I say, God, just like the disciples did, increase my faith. I'm like that man whose child was sick and he said, Lord, I believe, help thou my unbelief. Amen. That I'm asking God to help my faith. But sometimes there's situations in my life where I'm looking at something and I'm going, what am I going to do? And I'm going to have to choose whether or not to step out on faith. Y'all have heard anybody say that, step out on faith? You heard that phraseology, step out on faith? The best example I can think of of step out on faith comes from an old movie. Any of y'all seen the Indiana Jones movies? Y'all know that sign in, in that scene in Indiana Jones where they got to walk on that invisible walkway? Could you have done that? I'm going to tell you, I'm not sure I could do it. There's nothing there but death pitfall. And in order for me to get from here to there, I have to believe through faith that when I step out here off this little platform, my foot's going to stop up here and not down there, and I'm not going to break both my ankles. That's stepping out on faith, right? It's a pretty good example of that. You ever been in a place like that in your life? You ever been in a place in your life in your faith as a Christian where you had to go out on a limb and say, everybody says I'm going to fall on my face. Everybody says I'm making a big mistake. Everybody says this doesn't make sense because we don't operate under the wisdom of men, we operate under the wisdom of God. But I believe it. I believe it's what God wants me to do. I believe God wants me to quit this job and take this job. Or I believe God wants me to, to go into ministry. Or I believe God wants me to marry this person. Or I believe God wants me to do this or to do that. Or whatever it may be. And in order for me to do that, I'm going to have to step out on faith and say, God, don't let me fall. That is the performance of faith. The performance of faith will show whether your faith is alive or dead. 
Faith, spoken, is one thing. We can all hear you. You're here this morning on Sunday morning, and we can see you in the pew, and we hear you saying, I believe, and we see you here this morning in church saying, I believe, and you're standing, and you sing the congregational, and you pray when we pray, and you do all those things, but there's going to come a point in your life when your faith is going to have to become more than just what you say. Now, when you get saved and you make that first move, that is the beginning of your faith. But faith has a power and faith has a presence in its performance. And that's very simply as this, that true faith in the heart of a believer will produce a performance of works by faith. And here's what James said. And can I just tell you, James said it, not me. So don't blame me when I say it. But I don't think it could possibly have been better said when he said this. You show me your faith without works, and I'll show you my faith by my works. Show me thy faith without thy works, I will show thee my faith by my works. Nothing will prove your faith but your works. Amen. Let me give you this finally. We'll be done defining not only its power and defining its presence, but defining its purpose. Faith as we read before, that God has given unto every man the measure of faith. Romans chapter 4, verse 1 is referencing what James said there in chapter 2. We read, he said this, What shall we say then that Abraham our father, as pertaining to the flesh, hath found? For if Abraham were justified by works, he hath wherefore to glory, but not before God. For what saith the Scripture? Abraham believed God and it was counted unto him for righteousness. Now, before you say, well, that's contradictory, it's not. James is reinforcing what Paul wrote by saying that Abraham put his money where his mouth was. That we know Abraham believed God because Abraham was willing to exercise his faith by works. Amen. Verse 19, Being not weak in faith, he considered not his own body now dead when he was about a hundred years old, neither yet the deadness of Sarah's womb. He staggered not at the promise of God through unbelief, but was strong in faith, giving glory to God, being fully persuaded that what he had promised, he was able also to perform. And therefore it was imputed to him for righteousness. Now it was not written for his sake alone that it was imputed to him, but for us also to whom it shall be imputed. If we believe on him that raised up Jesus our Lord from the dead, who was delivered for our offenses and was raised again for our justification. Here's what he's saying very simply. That uh, the purpose of faith first is to return us. It is to return us to God. Abraham was justified by his faith in God. First, uh, 2 Corinthians chapter 5, verse 20 said like this, Now then we are ambassadors for Christ, as though God did, see, did beseech you by us. We pray you in Christ's stead, be ye reconciled to God, for he hath made him to be sin for us who knew no sin, that we might be made the righteousness of God in him. The first, pur- excuse me, the first purpose of faith, very simply, is this, to return you to God. How? Through salvation. That's the first purpose of faith in our lives. When God has granted to you that measure of faith, it is worthless if it is not first used to believe in Christ Jesus as your Savior. Oh, I got a lot of faith. I'm just not sure about this Jesus thing. You're wasting your faith. Your faith is being squandered and wasted. The number one, the first purpose is, is it's our past. It is to take our past, our sins that we have done, bring them before God to return us to Him through reconciliation. It is also to redeem us, not just in salvation, but in the present. Acts chapter 26 and verse 16. But rise and stand upon thy feet, for I have appeared unto thee this, for this purpose, to make thee a minister and a witness, both of these things which thou hast seen, and of those things in which I will appear unto thee, delivering thee from the people and from the Gentiles unto whom now I send thee, to open their eyes, listen to this, to turn them from darkness to light, from the power of Satan unto God, that they may receive forgiveness of sins and inheritance among them which are sanctified by faith that is in me. This is Paul speaking about why the Lord saved him. He said this, The Lord did this and He brought me out so that I could go and then as His ambassador take this truth to uh, to God's people, to the Gentiles, to the Jews, to everyone, so that they may be sanctified by the same faith that is in me. So what are you saying? God has given us faith first to save us. Secondly, 
to save others. Amen. We talk about faith and works and faith and works and faith and works. Are y'all still with me? Faith and works, faith and works. I, if I were to ask you right now, who believes that Jesus Christ is the Son of God? I'll get you to raise your hand. I'm not going to because then you'll feel like I'm tricking you. I could ask you, who believes that Jesus is not just the Son of God, but He is the only way to heaven? I could ask you, do you believe Buddha will get you into heaven? Do you believe that Muhammad, Allah, do you believe that works will get you into heaven? Do you believe that Catholicism and, and praying to Mary will get you into heaven? Do you believe uh, in nirvana? Do you believe in, in the spiritualists? Do you believe, are you a humanist? What do you believe? Or do you believe that Jesus Christ, who came and died on the cross for our sins, resurrected on the third day, and is ascended to heaven, do you believe all that, the death, the burial, the resurrection, and do you believe that He is the way, the truth, and the life, and no man cometh unto the Father but by Him? Everybody in this building today who has made a profession of salvation, would almost certainly agree, yes, I believe that. Amen? I believe that. Here's what Paul said. God has told me the reason He brought me out, the reason He called me out, and the reason He gave me a measure of faith and saved me is so that I could take my faith to all of them to open their eyes to turn them from darkness to light, from the power of Satan unto God, that they may receive forgiveness of sins. That God has given me faith and saved me so that He might save others. Now let me ask you this. Do you believe that? Galatians 2.19, For I through the law am dead to the law that I might live unto God. I am crucified with Christ, nevertheless I live, yet not I, but Christ liveth in me. And the life which I now live in the flesh, I live by the faith of the Son of God who loved me and gave Himself for me. There's so many who would say, Amen, that's me. I'm saved. And I live because of my faith of the Son of God that is in me. But why did God give you that faith? Well, to save you, absolutely. But faith is not just past. Faith is present. My salvation is not something that happened to me and, and I'm glad it happened. It's something that happened to me and it still lives within me. He lives in me. Amen. The Holy Ghost. Does the Holy Ghost live inside of you? Are you alive or dead? You're one or the other. You're either living or you're dead. And if you're living, then you live for this purpose. To share the gospel. What other purpose do you have? Now, there are other things God wants to do with you, but I can tell you there's one thing that He wants to do with all of us, and that's reach others. Amen. One, there's only one great commission. Go you in all the world. Preach the gospel. Teach the gospel to all nations. That's, that's it. We're, our, our, our works that exercise and prove our faith. I told you, sometimes you've got to step out on faith and there are times in your life and all those things, and we could talk about those things all day. And, and all of you would say, well, you know, amen, I've experienced that, or I've had this, or I've that. And, and I hear what you're saying, you're right. Sometimes I need to be willing just to have faith. But James said this, your faith without works is dead. And you know what that work is that we are all supposed to be doing? It's sharing the gospel. That's the, that's the work. Contending for the faith, Jude, chapter, or Jude verse number 3, that's going out there and saying our faith is the right faith. That's saying Jesus is on the way to heaven. Saying, hey, you drug addict, you drunkard, you sinner, you uh, atheist, you Buddhist, you, uh, you Muslim, all of you. I need you to understand something. Jesus Christ is the only way to heaven, and if you don't get saved, you will spend eternity in hell. Whether it's your mother, or your father, or your brother, or your sister, or your cousin, or your co-worker, or the students you go to school with, or the people you see on the street, or whatever it may be, if you truly believe what the Bible says, then you understand that your job is to share the faith. And faith without works is dead. It's a very simple question this morning. We're defining our faith, defining it. And we're talking about the purpose of it. And the purpose of it is 
to return us to God. Amen. It's to redeem us to God. It's for us to be saved. But it is for God to use us to reach others and to reveal to us. Romans 1.16 For I am not ashamed of the gospel of Christ, for it is the power of God and salvation to everyone that believeth, to the Jew first and also to the Greek. For therein is the righteousness of God revealed from faith to faith, as it is written, the just shall live by faith. So, very simply, let me ask you this morning, are you living by faith? Are you living by faith? Well, I'm living... And I understand and I believe in the Lord Jesus Christ and I trust that when I die, I'll go to heaven. Thank you again for listening to the Calvary Road Baptist Church podcast. If you would like to learn more about our church in Shepherdsville, Kentucky, you can find the link to our website in the show notes to www.calvaryroadbaptistchurch.com. We're so thankful that you've taken the time to listen to today's sermon, and we hope that the Lord will use it to edify you in the faith. If you'd like to help spread the word about this podcast, you can do so by leaving us a five-star review on iTunes or wherever you get your podcasts, or by telling a friend. Thank you again, and have a blessed day in the Lord. Thank you.